of Anger Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. Are you ready for another jam-packed episode? This week has it all. The main guest this week is Paige Coley of Orlando's Kinder Than Wolves. Paige has so much to share when it comes to music, from her experience entering the audio engineering profession while at Valencia College, up to crafting the perfect sound for her band's EP, Mean Something, and even their latest song that they released, Good Luck. Your ears will be addicted to the melodic jams that are packed into Kinder Than Wolves. I've been obsessed from the start. Also joining at the end of this episode are Lindsay Kerskew of Level to the Room and one of my oldest friends from my years of festing, Anna Theodora, who are both sharing their reactions to the second wave of announcements from Fest 17, happening this October in sunny Gainesville, Florida. There is so much here this week, and I'm not holding anything back any longer. I'm just so excited. So let's get into the interview with Paige from Kinder Than Wolves now.
Well, this is so exciting to be talking to you, Paige. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's raining over here, so I'm sorry if you hear that on our skylights, but other than that, everything is great. No, it sounds perfect, and I feel like I can tell that you have a lot of experience with your music and your gear, because I hear nothing except for you, and the audio is so clear. It's awesome. <laughs> I was wondering if I, like, earlier when I set up my my little TLM 103, I was like, I wonder if I'm being really extra for this. <laughs> no, I mean, you can't, uh, the listeners won't be able to see this, but I have my own mic right here. I have just a little Samson that I can plug in here. It's uh-huh. got all this, like, extra configuration and stuff. I just upgraded my mic, like, this year, so... <laughs> But yeah, so it's like, I, I, I definitely am starting to get into having better gear for podcasting and everything. So it's like, oh, cool. We both have gear. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it makes it fun. Well, I'm excited to talk to you about, it seems like you do everything when it comes to music. You have an awesome band, Carter Than Wolves. You are involved in audio recording and stuff over at Valencia College. You have so much on it seems like your plate that's exciting and fun. So uh, I'd love to just kind of dig into it. But before all that, you know, how did you kind of find your way into music? Uh, it kind of started when I was like in, like I always liked music, but I didn't like have like my, I was like looking for my home base, you know, like when you're in middle school and you're like, yeah, this is what I'm into. And then, um, I just, I remember one summer I went back to Alabama because that's where I'm from originally and I live in Florida now. And so I, I went back to Alabama and my cousin introduced me to like post-hardcore and stuff like that because, you know, that's what he was doing. And they already had a DIY scene like going on back there like 15 years ago in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of what like really flipped the switch, you know, because uh that's where I kind of like found home base and I was like yeah I want to do music and then I was always interested in like how not so much the the writing of it like I love writing music but uh, I wanted to know how it got from like bedroom recording to like what you hear on the radio and so I started looking into like uh, you know just like recording programs and stuff like that and at age 14 I was like that's what I want to do that's it (laughs) so it was kind of written from there um and I have bounced around a little bit but like I'm still in that realm and like uh able to survive off of either audio or music or some combination of that so yeah I'm enjoying it so far I think I've I'm really happy with 14 year old me (laughs) senior year old me who was like brash enough to like actually want to do it and not something safer That's so awesome. I mean, I always love the thought of being able to make the younger version of yourself proud in that sense, where it's like, you know what, I was really into this and I've made it happen to some capacity, but for you to be able to kind of make a career out of it is just awesome. And continuing, it seems like to get to grow with audio engineering and starting to explore more and more of your skills with that. So that's so awesome. What music were you listening to? Did you have like a favorite band that you kind of followed over time? Um, Back then when everything changed, So, uh, (laughs) don't laugh, but like, uh, Chasing Safety by Under Oath was like a huge record for me. Hell yeah. I love it. Yeah. Before then, I liked hardcore and stuff, but, um, like, I just liked the musicality of like the melodic elements they added. So I was like, all right. 
I love pop screamo <laughs> or like post melodic hardcore, whatever name you want to give it. So that was, that was kind of what changed for me. And then, um, it felt like I was into like hardcore and screaming for like a long time, but like in retrospect, it was only about two years. And then I softened, I softened and I started listening to like bands like Copeland and stuff like that. And like, then I started getting more into like the indie, uh, side of things. And so, yeah, by yeah, by the time I was like late in my teens, I was I was more into like you know, pretentious indie bands and stuff. <laughs> that's so awesome though, and it's like you continue to widen your taste in music. I'm sure that's very useful whenever you go to work on any kind of project after that, because it's like you've heard so many different styles and ways that you can kind of not only consume the music but appreciate it to where it yeah. it influences your art and what you want to make. Yeah, you're so right. Um actually these days um like rock will always be my home base but i actually don't listen to a lot of rock uh nowadays um i've like this morning for example i was listening to like new orleans brass bands oh interesting yeah i'm just finding more um more like thing like more things to learn from uh from some genres outside of rock right now because i I was just in rock for so long that like i kind of got all right two four beats and like <laughs> and like so it's, it's just yeah I'm just picking up uh, a lot more from other genres and especially um I think a lot of people laugh and look down at pop music but I think listening to pop music and actually like getting in the trenches of like trying to create it offers like so it's like a master class in songwriting you know and people people laugh at the structure of like the ABAB CB song thing where it's like verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus but like it's actually really hard (laughs) it's really hard to do it and do it well uh and keep someone's attention like non-stop for three and a half minutes because whenever uh we play rock like well the way that we used to write a couple uh years ago is like we'd turn on our delay pedals and we'd just get lost in like drone and we'd be like yeah this is it and then like (laughs) actually um whenever I listen to some of those recordings now, I'm like, man, I, I don't know what it was. Like, I just wasn't, I didn't have the the chops to like keep things, like keep things up, you know? Yeah, totally. It sounds like, you know, you listening to other genres of music and taking lessons from them will sharpen any style of music you decide you want to continue playing. If you want, you're going to bring freshness to rock that doesn't exist right now in some spaces. And like, you know, if you did decide that you want to pursue more pop sounding music, there's, things that you can borrow from like that New Orleans brass or from rock that just like the more that you fuse things together the more fresh I think it comes across as yeah and I'm really lucky to live in Florida because you know we have so much like Spanish influence like Mm -hmm. yesterday we added like a flamenco beat in a song um that we were writing and it's it's really cool it's just like inspired by the flamenco guitar it's like and so like we had the drummer doing it on his cymbals and uh, I got my guitarist to play it. <laughs> he's he's uh, he's awesome, and like sometimes rhythm, new rhythms are hard for him, but he's like a champ at figuring it out. But yeah, um, where do you live? I'm in like St. Pete, Tampa area, so I'm not too far from you. Okay, it's weird that we haven't met yet because I feel like I know like so many people. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's wild. Uh, I'm always amazed by like how long it takes for me to come full circle with like meeting folks in the scene and stuff and like um 
like I first heard about you actually talking to Katrina Snyder from Expert Timing and stuff and like you know there's so many great people across the scene like Candace from Woolbright and gosh we could go on for ages about all the bands that are out there yeah and I'd like to speak about Florida for a second absolutely go for it great so like we we've traveled <laughs> like not a not extensively but like uh my band we, you know we've been on our little DIY tours and stuff like that and um to to everyone who's like talking crap about Florida I think Florida is fucking great can I curse oh, yeah yeah go for it say anything <laughs> yeah no like there's like so like I've been to like release shows in Philly and you know like all these shows um all around the east coast and like yeah people turn up and they turn out and like it's a good time but like there's there's something about like the attentiveness you get from people in Florida where like everyone's just like in it and like you can feel that they're rooting for you and stuff like that and uh yeah to anyone who doubts Florida or Orlando um I would say that you are wrong (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah uh and uh we'll we'll show you a good time I guess I love it. Well, it's like that for sure, because I know Orlando has some of my favorite shows that I go to, for sure. Between that and, like, St. Pete DIY has really just gone through, like, a new renaissance, it feels like, over the past, like, year or two. And there's so much good stuff. I mean, just talking to, like, Candace a couple weeks ago and stuff about, you know, the um, Davy scene and all that and, like, playing with bands in South Florida. It's like, there's so much going on. It's like, Florida doesn't suck. You blew it had it right when they said that. <laughs> <laughs> And South Florida is, like, so, like, Orlando is cool and stuff like that, but, like, South Florida and Daytona Beach, like, they, they, like, are really cool. They, like, get into it. Daytona Beach will actually dance at your sets. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I had this, like, this plan or this, like, realization um, a while ago during our last tour, I think, which was last October. I was, like, dude, like, or maybe even before that, but, like, um, I think that Florida is, like, much stronger as, like, a unit than, like, individual cities, because, you know, off on our own out here, not particularly landlocked, Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been kind of, like, a passion and goal to, like, bring other bands from cities around Florida and, like, introduce them to, uh, like, all bands. Not that they wouldn't do that without me, but, like, I, I love being able to facilitate that, and yeah, and yeah, whenever people think of like, I would rather, I would rather the central Florida scene um, be viewed more as like a more encompassing Florida scene. Cause like in reality, those South Florida bands, you know, they can't really tour up without passing through here. So like they need us and we could really <laughs> take some cues from them and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I think we're definitely stronger as a unit than like trying to separate like scene by scene of like all these little, little individual cities and stuff like that yeah I feel like a lot of our like you know the the area where I'm in we've done a lot of really cool things to try to connect as well because like I think about just a couple weeks ago um there we there was like this festival lucky you fest and like bands from Tallahassee bands from like you know the east coast of Florida south Florida everybody was kind of coming together and just playing music and it was like I don't I I love that you mentioned that, you know, you're not looking to have just like one individual city scene. You want to see everybody kind of come together in that sense. And like, I find myself more so referencing the Florida scene now more as I've been working on this podcast, even than I am necessarily like a particular city scene. Cause it's just like, there's just so much going on and it's so exciting to see everybody kind of growing from each other. 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Like, I don't know. I, I just don't want to live in a world where like we have no Woolbright. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like fanny pack, like coming to Orlando often and stuff like that. And like, have you heard of fanny pack yet? From I have heard about them. Yeah. Oh, dude, you got to see them. I need to make my way back to Orlando and see some more shows. That's for sure. I was just there um, for the, what was it? It was like Woolbright, Dikembe, Expert Timing. Um, oh, yeah. That show with, uh, was Zeta at uh, Stardust? Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. That was a sick show. I was really, um, I was awkward at that show because I have this, um, <laughs> I have this problem where like, I'm really bad at memorizing faces. So- <laughs> all like one or two people I knew there and I just like completely didn't know who they were and so then I had to do the thing where I pretend I like I know you but I'm not really going to talk to you (laughs) I understand though I'm so awkward with people especially like the face thing (laughs) yeah I believe it I don't know I just I get I get shy for sure so I can understand that sense where I'm just like okay I gotta figure out how I'm gonna talk and who I'm gonna talk to and like Friends are anchors. I do that big time at shows. I'll hang out with like my friends. And I'll just be like, okay, you know, other people. I, I I'm the introvert that clings to the extroverts. <laughs> I'd love to be your extrovert at a show anytime you need, because, um, I think I'm, I've become kind of like a serial networker in the past couple of years. <laughs> I, I don't like that term. Cause like, not to say that I don't value each and every relationship, but like, yeah, there's, I think I, in this past week, I helped hook someone up with like a bluegrass band or something. And like, I don't know, there's just, yeah. So uh, yeah, if you ever need an extrovert volunteer um, to introduce you to someone, uh, I, I will do that. Hell yeah, I love it. That sounds like fun. We're gonna have to do that next time I'm in Orlando. That would be just a blast just to hang out in general, so. Yeah, yeah. I love connecting people and like, um, actually there's, I have some messages coming through from someone right now who's helping set up a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I asked him if he wanted to do it because I knew that he loved math rock and he had a math rock radio. It's called like six, eight radio. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so he's like helping doing that now and like meeting bands through it and stuff like that. Yeah. We, we have everything here. <laughs> That's so cool. I love to hear that. And it sounds like there's just so much opportunity to connect with people on all of your project stuff. And even with like kind of wolves where you were talking about, you know, the touring and stuff, meeting people and all that. Um, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about the band in that sense. Um, how did everybody kind of first meet? Yeah, so I met Ryan, uh, my guitarist, my first semester of college all the way back in like 2008. Um, I'm old. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> music theory class and uh, I was in the audio engineering program um, or the sound recording program rather. And he was just taking music theory as an elective. And uh, we were like a little, I was a little more directionless back then. So like the band didn't actually start until 2012. Um, and I was just like, oh, this is gonna be so cheesy, but let me just get out there. Um, <laughs> I won this trip to South by Southwest and I was like, hell yeah, a free trip to Austin, Texas. Like say what you want about South by. I know it has, it has its issues, but like, Um, so I went there and like, I saw some, like some really cool bands there that I had been following and stuff like that. And like, we were in these like small venues and stuff. And I was like, I was like, you know, like I could do this. Like, it's not, why, why aren't I doing this? Like, I love this. 
So um, then I came home and I was like, Ryan, <laughs> we're doing it. We're starting a band. <laughs> and then, so that was in 2012. And we had a lot of struggle uh, finding a drummer for the longest time. We just couldn't find a drummer. Um, and I, I don't know, they're just, maybe I just didn't know enough people or like the, they didn't play the kind of music we were interested in making. And so uh, finally, years later, we found a drummer and we didn't actually like record our EP until 2015. And so then it released in 2016. And right now we're writing again. But uh, Grant, our drummer came along, he was actually going to be like our hired gun bassist. <laughs> um, I know all the bassists are like yelling at me right now. Um, <laughs> but like we, we just didn't um, feel, we didn't feel that at the time we needed a bassist because we, we both thought that we could write bass, which later we would find out that we weren't that great at. But um, yeah, so he, he was just going to show up and like play the songs, but then the drummer we had at the time wasn't um, wasn't working out so then Grant was like I could play drums and I was like why didn't you tell us because it this <laughs> months since our drummer had left and he's like I did and I'm like no he didn't he probably did so then he <laughs> my drummer. and yeah so then <laughs> that's how we got started and we've grown so much in those um, even since we released our music um, in 2016 like I'm glad some some people are still enjoying those but to me they're, they're so old now and I'm so ready to like put like new stuff out but we're so particular uh, that it's taking a long time <laughs> it feels like so yeah I'm so ready to like put new stuff out and um, you can hear like how our personalities have matured in our music and stuff like that and yeah also I think that being in a band is a great way to just improve yourself as a person <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to any to any parents, <laughs> I have some parental advice for all of you parents, and I'm a non-parent. Just like <laughs> let your kid have a dog and let them join a band, because like <laughs> that like really makes you a better person. I feel like yeah, that's character building. I feel like there's so much you explore about yourself whenever you're just creative in general, because you get you learn everything from like criticism to opening your mind to trying new things and doing new things, and there's so much opportunity to grow as a person doing any of that. Yeah. And um, my my bandmates, I have to give them a lot of credit for that because um, it started out more as like an even playing field. And then in the past uh, two years, like uh, I've had to like lead a little bit more just because at this current time, I'm like writing most of the stuff and I have to, you know, push along the vision. Um, but yeah, like even yesterday, like I had to sit down with my drummer and I had to be like, would you mind if I just provided some feedback on um, your drumming, uh, like some techniques I think might help you like improve or practice? And because I'm like all up in his drums, like I've edited and mixed his drums for years on multiple projects. And I hated being the person who, like while everyone else is giving him compliments and stuff, to like sit down and have to critique him and I had this was a long list I was like I had like nine things um or something like that but at the end of it he was just like thank you and I was just like oh my god I can't believe I'm lucky enough to work with you you did that so well thank you for letting me like get this off my chest so we can improve and then we had one of the best practices like we've had in months so yeah my That's band good. great 
<laughs> That's so awesome. And it's like when you can communicate that openly and trust that nobody's going to have like, you know, a tense or negative reaction that they can just think about what you've said and then apply what they think will be the best as well. That's like, that's how you grow. And it's so awesome that you have that with your bandmates. That's one of the best things I think I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I hope that we're together for a long time. (laughs) Sounds like it. Sounds like you're on the path for all of that. Um, So kind of leading into where you were talking a little bit about your drumming changing and stuff, the style, um, can you talk a little bit about the sound with Kinder Than Wolves? I feel like it's a very unique sound that your band produces. And I never like to pigeonhole bands like genres or what I think you sound like. And of course, you mentioned that things have changed, of course, since you first put out your your EP. But how would you kind of describe your sound maybe even now? Um, yeah, our EP, I think, is kind of just like melodic indie rock with baby whispers over it. <laughs> I have a very tiny voice. And so, um, I don't know, I kind of just lean in on that. Um, and then now we've moved into... Um, kind of like a uh it feels kind of moot talking about it without anything being out so you're catching me at a weird time in life but oh I'm sure (laughs) but yeah uh it's just we're just keeping it um more interesting I've gotten a lot better at uh instrumentation I think I was okay at it back then but it's like really important now where like um you know what's playing at this time and what's playing at this time and the the arrangement of an entire song I drive my guitar is crazy because I'll take a song and I'll rip it apart at the seams like 20 times before it's like ready to go so I'll be like hey you know what we played last practice can we get rid of this part and add this new part and (laughs) but um that's I think that's what it takes um because I never am cool with the first or second idea they make me cringe (laughs) so yeah I'll just like relentlessly edit and it so right now it's kind of like we're using less reverb (laughs) (laughs) i kind of like was making fun of us because um i don't know like just too too much reverb for my my taste because i think like sometimes you can kind of sound like a little too serious or something and like combined with like our promo photos from like two years ago everything I say, I say that everything was kind of looking and sounding like it came from a Christian bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> I have no qualms with that, like, if you, but like, I wasn't, it didn't feel right for us. We were just too, like, a little more standoffish than we actually act and feel. So, so yeah, we're just a little bit more, I don't know, um, a, a little bit more put together now, I guess. Yeah, and it's like what you were describing earlier. You're kind of like you're you're growing into yourself, and you know you're showing how you've matured musically in that sense. Then, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I I can't wait for the recordings to get done. <laughs> and um, it's funny because like we're our biggest hurdle because I record us, <laughs> so like there's that's the only thing holding us back is us. So we're just taking a while and. I've been thinking about like the format of album releases versus like single and EP releases a lot lately and like how sustainable albums actually are and stuff like that. Have you have you thought about that or like talked to anyone about that? Um, yeah, I thought about it some. I feel like I think it's really one of those taste things where I, I'm very unusual in the sense of I think how I consume music. I still will like buy and download music 
I will like buy records and then get the digital download codes and save those versus like streaming. I mean, I use streaming at work, but otherwise it's like eh, at home. I'm like, I consume it very differently. So I don't know. I mean, I like, I sometimes like EPs, but then they leave me craving more where I'm like, I want that full record and be able to process that. But then I like records sometimes that have like themes to it or they have like messaging to it. And it's just like, it's hard to, I, th I feel like it's so um, subjective for me. It depends on, what I'm consuming and what that person did. It's a very difficult thing to kind of try to process. I feel like with the way that music is changing so much. Yeah. And then like, there's kind of the money issue. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So like there's been talk around uh, town for lack of a better term that like iTunes is going to get rid of its uh, downloads. Like you won't be able to buy music on iTunes and they're just the moment it's more profitable to just, have Apple Music as a subscription service. That's what they're going to switch to. And then um, I'm a little disappointed in Bandcamp um, because I, I love them. And I think that they've left so much money on the table for artists. Mm -hmm. uh, like it seems like they've been the same in the past three or four years. And um, there, there was, there's all this room for, I know they tried doing like a subscription thing, like a band, like a club for each artist to like, help garner more wages and stuff like that and I haven't I, I stay on top of job postings like crazy and I, I haven't seen them like hiring for anything to do with like I don't know they haven't really taken advantage of like the streaming like uh, services or like mm -hmm. machine learning jobs uh, to, to help with that and I really I don't know we're just such in a weird time right now because like Spotify pays nothing yeah. uh, Bandcamp isn't expanding its reach and then, um, like, Patreon. Have you heard of Patreon? Yes. I've been actually weighing back and forth whether or not I even wanted to do that for this podcast because it's like, okay, when you make X amount of money, it becomes taxable and, like, trying to go through all that process of, like, what they take versus what you keep and, yeah. yeah. I, I don't understand why, like, bands haven't jumped on the Patreon train because even though it's not perfect, I think it's one of the, like, the best things out there right now. Mm -hmm. But... I, I just don't get it. Like why, like, it's so funny because like Indian punk culture is supposed to be so like anti-establishment yet here we are following the traditions and the trends set by major labels, like releasing like, you know, full, full albums and like ex going on tour and like having that be the only thing. And like, we're, we kind of like raise our eyebrows at anyone trying something new, like, you know, a, an indie band signing up for Patreon. They're mm -hmm. like, why are you asking for, for money for you know why do I have to pay for content and then you, you have to explain to them no that's not how it works it's yeah it's like a it's almost like a culture thing that we have to go through as well it's like you have the you have the corporate hand in music and then it's a cultural thing of like it seems so I feel like sometimes in DIY it can be frowned upon to take money or to like raise money you know what I mean like I mean, it's not, it's not the case all, everywhere, but sometimes it's like that where it's like, oh, you're making money doing your music or yeah. you're, you're working with somebody to get bigger. But so. ironically, it's okay to take money if you're doing it in, in a way that was set like a, like in a way that was set by a major label before you, like if you ever yeah. all band merch is the same. Like we, we just copy what we just copy what uh, major artists do. It's like, okay, we have stickers, t-shirts, pens, hats. And like, I'm not, not to say that, you know, DIY might've done it first, but 
it's kind of like we're waiting for permission or something mm -hmm. to change things up and I I don't like it. <laughs> it doesn't sit well with me. I I want people to like feel feel like they can be a little more innovative and creative with um how they support themselves without our our entire scene looking at them like they're weird or talking shit about them for like trying something new or updating. Sorry, that's my one call out to the DIY scene. No, that's legitimate and that's fair. I I couldn't agree more. Don't say anything at all unless you're calling out a social injustice or something like that, but like stop talking shit about people trying to improve or try something new. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. I really do. And that kind of mentality I feel like is going to be what helps grow. And I hope more people will start to embrace the thinking of it's okay to be different and do things different and help yourself sustain and grow as an artist. Cause sometimes, and I think it's being proven right now, status quo just isn't going to work for independent music. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also, we're going to move into this whole era of like machine learning and AI <laughs> stuff. And that's, that's just going to be so weird for us as, as artists, because I've, I've been experimenting with it already. And like, you can teach, you can teach machines to write music and <laughs> like, we're going to become like devalued even more unless like, you know, we're innovating. So like, and the thing is, is you won't necessarily know if it's been written by a machine or anything like that, because I can go generate some MIDI data right now and pop that into our stuff and be like, I wrote this. And even the person who made the machine that generated it wouldn't know that I took it. Like, so there's this, like, I don't know, we're, we're just like, we can't get so small minded that we like write things off, um, you know, when artists are trying to innovate and stuff like that or look down upon it. Cause there's, we have a bigger fight to fight and yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's so much I feel like that is pitted sometimes against independent artists and people who are really trying to make things work outside of the mainstream and stuff. So, and it's, it's technology, it's, you know, capitalism. There's so much that's like against artists, it feels like some days. And I don't know, I think I find hope sometimes in the more like creative and outside the box thinking people who are like, you know, trying things that are different, whether it's their merch, whether it's their music, whatever they're doing. It's like, you have to stay like that if you want to continue to grow and combat all of that. Yeah. Like people, people like you fascinate me. Cause I'm just like, wow, what, what made you decide to start a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I a lot of anger toward the norm. <laughs> Honestly, like, I mean, the re I ended up with this one because it was like, okay, I'm so sick of, like, cishet white dudes in music getting <laughs> me the only people who get to have a voice, and it's exhausting, and I was listening to people who were influencing me to um, think outside of that, and it just kind of, yeah, that, yeah, that's what pushed me in this direction for sure. Dude, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> if you think music is bad, you should... You should see so you should see the audio culture. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I mean, um, for I don't know how closely. I mean, I don't know. I like to think sometimes that people follow the social for this podcast. But like you know, I put out a tweet literally soliciting, "Hey, I'm looking for non men and people of color who are involved in audio. I've never had spoken to anybody who does that." And it was crickets for a little bit. I was like, okay somebody out there <laughs> and I was fortunate that that you know your name was suggested and everything expert time thank you expert timing 
Yes. Love expert timing. But you know what I mean? It's like, wow, that was, it, it took yeah. way longer to have a response to that than I would have anticipated, which, you know, just says how important it is to uplift the voices of people who are like, you know, involved in these areas of music. And it's just, it's so critical to point out that, hey, there's more than just like, you know, straight white dudes doing this. Yeah. And there's actually, um, like someone actually started um, an organization for that. I, I mentioned it in my email. It's called like, yeah. Audio Mission. Yeah. Um, I know them kind of uh, from meeting them at the Audio Engineering Society conventions. <laughs> Nerd stuff. But um, yeah, they're really cool. And like the lady who runs it is an electrical engineer. And then she, I guess she got into it and was like, why are there no women in this? Mm-hmm. So they're doing their thing over in San Francisco. And um yeah, occasionally I'll run out, I'll run into another audio engineer, uh, a non-male audio engineer in the wild, um, but it doesn't ha- happen too often. So yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> um, I, I just became a co-chair of the Central Florida section of the Audio Engineering Society, um, and I'm really glad to, it's a boys club, like, <laughs> it it was. Um, even if you go look at one of the pictures on the Facebook, it's you'll see a picture of like 30 men and like one girl or something. That's wild. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to, you know, not that that's like bad men listening, but you know, like there's, there's like a, there's definitely an advantage to, you know, having a more diverse, uh, you know, set of people working for you and with you. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it actually fuels more creativity. You have to have more voices involved in a project and in a industry if you want to see innovation take place. It's just as simple as that. You have this co-chair position. What are are you looking to kind of expand opportunities for non-men and like, you know, sound engineering? What kind of things would you like to maybe accomplish with that? Yeah, that's, that's one of the goals. Um, so, uh, again, it's a weird time to be catching me because I just, I, I kind of was like just put into the position, but, um, yeah, I, I kind of just want to use my networking skills to, uh, bring more people in. Cause right now it's, it's like middle to, to a, a little bit older, uh, men in it and stuff like that. And we, we don't have a lot of, uh, young people. We certainly don't have a lot of, um, women or women identifying or, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to bump up the social aspect a little bit more because once you do that, then we'll have more opportunities to, uh, have like more technical talks and stuff like that. Cause we'll know more people. Um, I, I was actually just, uh, I was actually just joining some Facebook groups the other day. I was like, huh, I wonder if this Facebook group exists. And like, I found like, these Facebook groups for like women and like all these subsets of audio and stuff like that. And like, like the women in it were like, they work as like sound designers at Facebook and like, uh, like magically just doing like, uh, AR and VR stuff. And like, I don't know, it's just, it's crazy. And I'm glad that there's communities for that out there. And I kind of want to bring more of that to central Florida. And so uh, if you see Audio Engineering Society stickers or something like that around, it was probably one of my silly ideas to, like, just get our name out there. That's awesome. 
I like that you're kind of, it sounds like you're bringing in some of like your experience in like marketing stuff and sharing things through like DIY and everything to this like industry that needs to kind of have that younger voice, that diverse voice involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love marketing um, or like at least social media marketing. Like I know they're, everyone hates social media. They hate Facebook. They hate <laughs> paying for ads and stuff like that. But like, I'm into it. I, I like, I'm really grateful because you know, like we, our parents didn't have that opportunity to, you know, like target people highly or anything like that. And it's like, it's actually really cheap compared to like what they would have had to do, which is like, you know, uh, to what newspaper ads, like <laughs> newspapers, you know, trying to like fund enough money for like a television commercial or billboard space or like any of that, like the physical stuff is definitely, um, more difficult to afford versus like you can drop 10 bucks on like a social media platform and reach like thousands of people. Yeah. I'm definitely on the offense of that and not the defense. Um, especially in this current climate, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's great. One time, um, (laughs) stupid story, uh, like a couple months ago, I was like, I found out that you could target people who work for individual companies. So, um, I targeted employees of Buzzfeed. And like, oh my gosh. I posted our, our EP and I was just like five songs, only Buzzfeed employees will understand. You won't believe what they sound like. And then like, I had like Buzz, like a Buzzfeed employee or two like commenting or liking it saying, I understand your songs and stuff like that. And I just thought that that was <laughs> so funny. And so like, I don't know, like imagine what you can do if you get really creative, like we can, Damn. We could do like the dumbest stuff if we wanted to, but it's really about the like, it's again, it's the cultural thing holding you back. Cause if I wanted to, we could go like run an ad for all the, like all the nurses who work at like Florida hospital and be like, man, here's five songs you can listen to after a hard day of dealing with patients. Like, <laughs> and it works. That stuff works. Yeah. I, I just like, I wish that uh, we could get creative without feeling like we're idiots <laughs> or something you know yeah it's like a confidence thing that you have to kind of build up to it seems like and once you have that confidence you can kind of start doing anything with whatever your creative outlet is yeah yeah so I kind of want to explore a little bit of that with you in relation to like a little bit of your engineering and um also your music in itself whenever I first like started listening to you like your EP um mean something I I knew that everybody in the band obviously wrote the music and there was a lot involved with that. And I also saw that you did your own recording and mixing and everything. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about kind of that project? I'm sure it's a big process to not just write the music, but also go through recording and everything. Um, Yeah, sure. So uh, I actually, for that project, I turned my townhouse (laughs) into a little recording studio. you know, there's this saying like "throw a rock, home, hit a home studio" nowadays, but um, I think we did, <laughs> did it pretty well. Um, just using some like basic acoustic knowledge and like it, it, it came out like pretty, pretty well. I thought, um, and so that took because I had us keep redoing things and redoing things until it was like exactly how I wanted it. Um, it took a while. It took a like a year to get everything recorded and um, polished. But yeah, I had been uh, mixing and recording for a few years at that point. So it was kind of like um, 
it was kind of like, I don't know, my, my proudest work <laughs> at that point. It was like the crown of my work at that point. Um, Cause I, that had been a goal. Like, I think a lot of audio engineers, when they get into it, uh, they really want to just be able to record themselves and um, which there's nothing wrong with that. And like, they want to record themselves and be able to make themselves sound okay. And that was kind of my, my secret goal when I like wanted to do audio engineering and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it came together. And yeah, I don't know. Are there any specific questions? I'm like, yep, I recorded this. No, that's awesome. Like, um, how much time would you say you spent on the final part of mixing and stuff? I don't know very much about audio engineering. So anything you say is like extremely fascinating to me, but like, you know, how much time would you say you put into like maybe finalizing everything before it was like mastered? Um, I, I can't keep track of the hours. I, I know that I spent way longer than usual on it. Like I might've spent like 18 hours on one song. So yeah. Cause I'll just sit there and chip away and chip away at it. And yeah. Um, I don't know. There, there's something about when it's your own music, like being in a certain headspace, you kind of have to like, like zoom out and look at the whole thing and like kind of let some things slide and like reassess some things. So yeah, I, I spent way too long on them. That's <laughs> all I can say about that. Um, and yeah. it's funny cause like, I, I always lie to clients. <laughs> I tell a white lie. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm probably going to spend about, you know, six to eight hours mixing your song. I really spend about 16 to 18 hours mixing their song. Wow. Yeah. I know I, I should like reassess, but but it's just because it's that it's that last like little bit of like perfection and stuff like that that you can try to aim for that really uh that really like does it for me like it's the whole 80 20 rule you know like 80 percent of it's done in 20 percent of the time <laughs> yeah i mean it's funny because it took me so long to i think embrace my editing process for the podcast and it's like okay it's okay if this isn't uh like maximum perfection but at the same time, it's like, but I want to make sure I put on episodes like quality for the band that I, that took the time to like talk to me and stuff. And like, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, okay, I have to figure out not only that I have to teach myself how to use my software, but also how to like, okay, how do I make sure that this sounds good here and the timing's good here? And I, I just think about the amount of time that I have to sit here and think about it for myself. So when you're doing like whole songs, whole EPs, whole records and stuff, there's more of that. There's so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that you talk about the podcast thing because I'm actually a professional dialogue editor. Oh, wow. I know is not the sexiest term ever, <laughs> but like I've, I've edited, I've edited over like 10,000 hours of dialogue from oh my like, gosh. and like, yeah, that's one of the other like weird hats that I wear. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I had to, I have to tell bands like, I have to like brand myself differently depending on who I'm talking to. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, it's useful. It's useful to know, but I can make people say funny things. <laughs> I'm going to have to experiment with that, with that with you sometime. That just sounds like fun. <laughs> I was actually thinking about making, um, a course, like a, like a short course on just like dialogue editing and mixing for, for beginners, because like there, there are certain things that I do that just make it like way faster. Oh my gosh. Teach me your ways. I'll be your first student. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know where I'd put that real sexy course. Give <laughs> <laughs> it to you for free and then throw it up on like Skillshare or some crap like that or something. How to dialogue <laughs> But yeah, it's a real thing. I did, um, I did dialogue editing for this one little video game. Mm-hmm. I don't it's this one video game that my my friend made and um yeah that one that one was a lot of fun because he he hired actors and actresses to come in and do it for real for real and so yeah dialogue editing has gotten me some interesting gigs oh I believe it that's amazing to be able to say that you like worked on like the dialogue editing for a video game is really cool that sounds like such a fun project and you get to like you said earlier, like try on so many hats. It seems like that's so cool. Yeah. Do you ever uh, like worry about being like branded like jack of all trades, master of none? <laughs> Constantly. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> is that what I'm becoming? Is that is that how people look at me? Because I'm like, no, I promise, I'm I'm good at this. But it's, <laughs> I I I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely deal with that and a little bit of imposter syndrome with like just in podcasting or being involved in music in general. I don't know. Talking to cool bands definitely and like making friends is the most like fun part about all of this. So it's it's that whole connectivity to bring it back around and stuff for a second. It's like, you know, being able to connect to people who have just as much effort in their art or their platform or whatever they're working on stuff. It's like that's just motivating in itself. It's like any sort of negativity or like questioning my skill or whatever it's like that goes away the minute I just start talking to somebody and it's like you know what this is fun this is great and we get to keep doing this (laughs) people are people I have this saying um that like I I kind of like tell myself (laughs) no one else I just and it's just like no coattails no pedestals um because I just like I don't know there's like I just don't want to ride anyone's coattails to like any form of like fake success. Not mm-hmm. even that, you know, you can't, you know what I mean? The difference between like one or the other using it, like earning those and, and then like no pedestals. Cause like sometimes like our culture can get in the habit of putting people on pedestals and stuff like that. And like, I don't know, who does that help? Like, like people are just people. And um, I say that like even Einstein probably did, put his socks on in a weird way or something like you know like you can't get you can't let like people get too too big headed (laughs) or or make them that way in your head or something yeah (laughs) sorry that's a it's a weird thing to say I guess no it's it makes total sense and that kind of actually ties into one of the questions I wanted to ask you too is like you know you have so much variety experience it seems like when it comes to audio when it comes to music all of that what advice would you give somebody who maybe wants to get started in audio engineering? Oh, that's a great question. Um, okay, let me let me think about how to word this. <laughs> All right, so audio engineering. Um, I don't want to lie to you and like tell you that there is a job that's going to be waiting for you if uh, you just do the creative part. Um, I hate to like be the mom or <laughs> something here, but like. If you're going to go into audio engineering, um, also keep your skills up and other things um, that have to do with it. So if you go into audio engineering, you're going to need to also do really well in like either music or electrical engineering or coding or something like that. Because it's just even me 10 years ago going into it was a completely different climate 
than what you're about to get yourself into um, with, you know, how technology is advancing. So um, go into it with, be smart about it and please learn to code uh, or, or learn uh, some engineering because then you definitely will have to code whether you like it or not. <laughs> and, and yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I, that's not a really romantic answer. I'm just trying to. <laughs> but it's a, it's a realistic one though because it's like that you have to almost be a very universal person when it comes to approaching a career, especially in, in, in most industries these days. It's important to think about that. It's like that's the career path you want for audio engineering at that point. It's like you need to know how to do everything. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm definitely having to teach myself a lot of stuff right now because I, I opted out. Like I started going to school for um, the electrical engineering part of it after I, uh, after I went to school for the sound recording part of it, and I took a few of those classes and then I got an offer for a full time job, uh, doing, you know, audio like editing and post and production work and stuff like that. And then it's like, you have to think about what's going to happen if you, when you don't have that job, mm-hmm. there's, there's, um, yeah, you have like, so I, I'm learning stuff right now and, uh, yeah. And I definitely have my hands in a lot of pots and it's, it's still, I definitely wouldn't go try to buy a house right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, young engineers. I'm just trying to tell you, <laughs> like, also I want to say, um, where you live also matters because I think if you live in the suburbs or a slightly smaller city like Orlando, um, you're going to have a harder time than if you live in New York or L.A. And I know that a bunch of New Yorkers um, and stuff like that would say, oh, no, New York is hard. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. You know, same about L.A. But no, I went like I when I go there, like I get job offers, like just visiting like and like I remember I was in L.A., and like, it was hard to not know anyone who was working in the ind- uh, entertainment industry or working with someone famous or whatever like that. So don't get starry eyed over people who have made it, who like live in those cities. Uh, the opportunities come easier to them. And I, I don't know if someone wants to fight me on that, I'd be like interested in hearing that. But yeah, if you live in the suburbs or a smaller city, you're going to have to do a lot more work, a lot more networking or, uh, or you might have to move. So, <laughs> well, that's where that networking skill that you were talking about earlier, that, uh, that comes in particular handy, I'm sure, whether it's whenever you're working on your DIY projects and stuff or your career itself. I hope so. <laughs> so, so far, so good. I'm just like, man, well, I hope there's a, a day when I can really cash in on this, but I think it's, I think like it's a slow, it's a slow grind. Like I can feel something's happening. I'm just not sure what it is yet. Yeah. <laughs> Weird That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Um, I feel like particularly with like music and stuff, you can kind of, you can network yourself into some really cool opportunities and make some really great friendships, of course, too. Um, I think about the people that I've met through music, just like I talked to one band, next thing you know, I'm talking to another band when it comes to like having opportunities for save the podcast and stuff. But it sounds like you get to do that when it comes to like booking shows and being able to do that, um, playing with people and everything. Like you have a lot of really cool shows coming up and you get to book shows at the Falcon too. Like, can you talk a little bit about that side of, uh, your experience in music? Yeah. So, uh, I started booking shows at Falcon. Um, I had booked shows there before, but I started going in on it a little more, um, 
in December, last, last December. So it hasn't been too long. Um, but basically I was, I was like, um, on our last tour again. And I was like, we were playing house shows and I love house shows and we were playing like smaller venues and stuff like that. Um, but mostly a lot of it was house shows and stuff like that. And you know, the DIY scene loves house shows and so do I, but, um, I, it just, when I came back, I was so grateful for a place like Falcon. Um, because you know, the owner, she, Melissa, she's awesome. And, you know, she, a lot of young bands especially don't realize all the, the work and uh, money you have to like cough up to be even a small venue who hosts shows. Like, um, she doesn't tell me all this directly, but I know that there's, there's a lot of fees involved. Like you have to pay performing rights organizations like ASCAP and BMI. You have to also pay the city, like a city fee to be classified as a venue and who knows how many thousands of dollars that is. Um, but yeah, so I, whereas before I was like, oh, Falcon's a nice small venue. I, I came back and I was like, hell yeah, Falcon. We have like a real supportive, like ass little DIY venue and the owner supports us and lets us do. So I, I was just like, hey, Melissa, um, would you like me to help book shows there? Because a lot of the bands were coming to me anyway, because, you know, I had made connections in South Florida and they were trying to come up and from touring up north and stuff and they were trying to come down and so uh she was like yeah and I was like okay <laughs> so yeah so I started um just helping with that helping um like bands will come to me and be like hey can I play on this day um and I'll be like yeah let me help you find some bands that would make a cool show and stuff like that and um it's real real casual I'm not a professional um promoter by any sense of the the word um I just help book there. And then for, for booking our shows for uh, Kinder the Wolves, we take advantage of a lot of the DIY Facebook groups and stuff like that. Cause I mean, I just, I love, I love the, the DIY route um, of booking tours and stuff like that. You, you meet more people that way and like sleep in some interesting places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the shows can be hit or miss. Luckily, most of them have been hit for us. But even the ones that on paper don't go well, like you still like get something out of it, like whether it's new friends or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's new friends. You get to like, you know, have a good memory. You get to hang out with some people that maybe you don't get to see all the time or like any of that. It makes it worth it. And I like that you mentioned about how much it can cost for some venues to kind of exist as venues and it makes you appreciate the ones that you know aren't your typical venue and stuff like you think about some bars I mean they're already paying fees for all kinds of stuff so it's maybe less so versus when you go to places like um like we have Planet Retro that's like our record store they do like shows and they're starting to do like movie screenings and all kinds of stuff that's like it's cultivating opportunities for both local bands, touring bands. And like, you know, now they're starting to do stuff like fundraising and everything, or like, like you tattoo, that's a tattoo parlor. That's not where you would expect to go see a show, but they've converted themselves into like one of the most fun venues I've been to in Florida. And like, I don't know, it's just, it's so cool to see that kind of support. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky. I, I drove out to see expert timing at lucky you tattoo. It's the only time I've been there, but I thought it was really cool. Yay. Well, I, we were probably both there is the funny part. So <laughs> we're going to have to say hi next time. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I was I was by Katrina and Jeff and my friend Patrick the the whole time. So it would have been really weird if I didn't see you there. That's this, so funny. Yeah. Uh, that happens. It's it's funny. It's like the the Florida scene is so big and yet so small. So it's like you can pass by people and then eventually meet them. So it's it's all cool. So talk to me a little bit about like a live set for Kinder Than Wolves. Like what, how would you describe your show from your perspective? And then maybe like, what's a favorite song you like to play every time? Our show from my perspective is a trash fire going off. Um, it's like, I'm like trying to stay above the water and, <laughs> and it feels like failure the whole time. And then we're done and I'm like, oh, okay, that's over with. But... <laughs> That's just like my perspective, because uh, I'm really nervous on stage and stuff like that. But like, but what I hope that other people see is, uh, I I don't know, <laughs> um, we've we put like a lot of effort into our live show uh, when we first started. Um, we have like programmed lights to it and stuff like that. Um, but I'm finding out that in between in between uh, albums or releases or whatever we'll call it like mid-cycle, <laughs> um, like our live shows becoming a little less like um, put together with like the lights and the pre-planning because we're throwing in new songs and we're like trying out the new songs. So that's where all of our time goes to. And so we're, yeah. So um, if you go to a Kinder Than Wolf show, I'm, I'm going to say some bad jokes on stage and then <laughs> Um, you'll hear some new songs and they won't be the same the next time you hear them. That'll be the only time it'll sound like that. <laughs> and the next time you hear it, it'll have a completely ver different verse or something. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not doing a very good job at representing us. Right <laughs> That's totally okay. Well, it's funny because I, I, I'm friends with enough people in bands to know that it's like your live shows sometimes where you can kind of experiment with your music, like, let's see if people like it this way or see if we like it when we play it this way to people. So sometimes it's like, I've literally seen um, my friends completely change a whole like section of a song. And most of the crowd won't know the difference from the last show to this show, but like they'll feel better about it. So that's really all that matters. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, that's us. And we, we play... <laughs> Um, we played a click track so um, there's like this added layer of like um, just fear because like if we accidentally me mess up and get off the click track then everything's gonna go wrong cause, oh no yeah <laughs> there's so we have to be like super tight because we don't have a basis so we backtrack bass um, mm. and I know bassists hate that but whatever okay just let us do it for, for now and then we'll add a basis later but like yeah, so there's a bass track playing, and if we if we mess up and get off, or if we don't start at the right time, then the whole thing is just like, oh my god, <laughs> we're. But luckily, we've never messed up terribly, too bad, to where we had to like restart in the middle of a song or something. Oh no, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm hoping that never happens to you. That you just keep nailing it. <laughs> it's okay if it happens to us. Um, then we'll just learn from it. I don't know. I feel like every everyone has to have like one show that's just like a nightmare show or something, right? Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, and most people don't care. Like in the audience, like, like I'll I'll be like burning inside and <laughs> you know thinking things are going terrible, and then the audience is like, "Wow, that was great!" La 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 la. And I'm like, 
Thank you, Florida show attendees. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Your dedication is very much appreciated. (laughs) I've seen that meme that's like, great set, great set, dude. And then it's like the hand's about to smash a button. It's like, thanks, we messed up a ton of times, but you know, uh, we we messed up, but thanks anyway, I guess. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh, I run into that all the time with my partner because like after he's done playing his set. I'll just be like, that was awesome. You did so great. You were wonderful. And then he's just like, yeah, I fucked up like six times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, I can't tell. So that's awesome. <laughs> it's really hard to be like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, one of the things that I think is really cool about at least the things I've seen that you're putting out is there's a lot of effort to kind of consider things outside of just the music itself. So I saw that like you've had music on like that, Pulse benefit compilation and working with the Liberation Cat House and stuff like that, which I think is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> what kind of like drives you to kind of do good beyond making the music itself? Um, well, I can't take any uh, credit for the Pulse thing because that was led by um, Chase Bodwin. Um, I don't think he's in a band right now, but yeah, he he was the one who kind of led that, and I just did like some of the PR for it. I hit up like a magazine, I hit up like Orlando Weekly or something like that. That's so awesome. That still helps. Yeah. But he was leading that and I thought that was really cool. And so it's funny, the Liberation Cat House thing, I I met um, Jessica who runs it very recently through Candace from Woolbright. Mm-hmm. And, and I found out that that's what she did. And I was like, oh my gosh, because my plan with Kinder Than Wolves has always been to like, like music can feel kind of vapid sometimes, right? Like, even if it's not, you, you feel, you know, you're getting to do this thing that's kind of fun, you know, on most days. So like, I just feel like we have to like pay it forward and pay it back and like, kind of like help other things. So I actually love dogs. I'm a dog person <laughs> through and through. I love dogs to death. I, yeah. So I, I always wanted to like help, find a way to help dogs and help that be like my side thing. But then I met Jessica and I've also grown like a real liking to cats. Yeah. <laughs> um, cats are, they're really funny to me. Um, not in the, not in the YouTube funny way. It's just like, I don't know. They're just, they're so funny. So anyway, she was basically doing what I was hoping to find for dogs. And I was like, yo, do you want to just like come to our shows and like set up a table and like take donations and sell stuff. And like, you know, you can put that towards your rescue efforts. And she was like, yeah. And I'm really hoping um, we can find more people who are doing stuff like that for, it doesn't have to be animal related. Although I do, I do love animal welfare. Um, That's like a, thing for me I used to volunteer at Pet Rescue by Judy for for a hot minute and yeah I've just always wanted to be involved in that but I'm not like a veterinarian (laughs) or a vet technician so um and then the closest shelter is like 40 something minutes away um so yeah uh if if anyone has like an animal welfare effort and they want to get involved with us as little as we can do um please get in touch with me because I, I want to put you like in our shows or have, you know, do something. Um, also, I just think it makes for cooler shows too. Like, you know, like, mu- like music, music and music goes well with other things. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. And I love whenever I see people 
and unfortunately, I don't see it as much, I think, as it could happen. But like, you know, you see people tabling really important stuff sometimes at shows. Like you'll see things like, um, what was it? Last summer, I volunteered with Safer Scenes at like the St. Pete stop of Warp Tour and like helped promote like bystander intervention for sexual assault. Like, you know, or like, you know, or crowd violence and stuff like that. Or like, you know, you see things like that. You see things where it's like animal welfare, like what you were discussing is what you're working toward and stuff. That's so awesome. And I feel like music is something that everybody can kind of connect to. And if you can use that to like connect to another issue or another group that needs help, that's amazing. Yeah. And I I think that that's like a personal like responsibility that um, a lot of us should carry because like for example like I like I'm an admin of like the Orlando DIY group because I was like why don't we have a DIY group we have one of the best DIY scenes so I made that and then like there's a couple times where I'm like oh crap like like this person like it, you have to kind of like filter something like help like talking about um, like filtering who can do what and say what and that's like a difficult position to be in but like it to me it's like much clearer when I'm thinking like if this if if I were a parent would I want this person would I consider this person safe around my 17 year old who's going to an all-ages show and like if the answer is no that makes it a lot easier to be like you know because I feel like we like have that responsibility as like you know people who are talking and like leading things and have a voice in our scenes and stuff like that to make sure that everyone can have a safe space for enjoying music and like this culture and stuff like that. Wow. Well, I love that you have a hand in that. That makes, I think, even more opportunities for there to be all ages spaces that actually are truly safe and can be enjoyed by so many more people and stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. And speaking to all ages, um, <laughs> we need more all ages venues, but um, the reason they're not around, you know, is always because of the, the liability and financial thing. So um, I just want to say, oh, let me call out some people again. <laughs> if you're, <laughs> it's okay, it's a, it's a nice call out. But like, you guys, if you're uh, at an 18 plus show and you're under 21, don't underage drink at that show because you're attracted in the cops. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't do that. And then our DIY venue will get shut down. I know it sucks. Just don't don't act a fool at the DIY venues. Do it somewhere else, but just play nice at the DIY venues, and then people will, you know, we'll get more, we'll get more, like, uh, opportunities for, you know, under 21 shows and uh, all ages shows. There's, there's so, there's so many uh, little venues around here that, like, you know, I'll pull them aside and talk to them. I'll be like, why can't this show be 21 plus? And I'm not talking about Falcon right now, by the way. Yeah. The owner would say like, oh, it's because some like 18 plus came and like they were underage drinking and the cops came in and started talking to me and stuff like that. And I didn't give it to them. They had it. So yeah. So I'm sorry. I just want to uh, put a little bit of responsibility on those who want all ages shows to make sure that you're setting a good example so that it can become more likely. And cause there's people out there like myself who want to put on those shows. <laughs> we just got to get, we got to convince the people who are, you know, running the business and stuff that like, it's not going to hurt them. So yeah. <laughs> I love that. And you know, it's so important to have those spaces, but it's definitely everybody's responsibility to make sure that those spaces succeed in all age brackets and in all backgrounds. Cause 
it's you gotta you gotta be respectful respect the space respect the people in it and respect the ability of the venue the space to continue to grow so i love that well i know that you book shows right now and i'm sure you get to play with a lot of bands that you really like but i'm gonna throw a really tricky question at you um if you could play with any three bands they can be currently active or they could just be regular musicians they don't have to be necessarily part of a band they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead who would they be oh man i i don't know <laughs> i have to think on it like i know it's kind of cheesy but like i i like playing with our friends and like the bands around here like that that to me it's like heartwarming mm-hmm. so like because I'm like that's our community and that's our scene and I think that kind of goes with like my no pedestals thing like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of happy where I'm at and like with who I'm with and stuff right now but like I don't know if I had to like kind of go off off key a little bit and like I can't even think of anyone <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> yeah is there anybody that maybe like 14 year old Paige would have wanted to play with? <laughs> uh, you know, I think it'd be really funny and full circle if we got to play with Copeland. So mm. they're, they're technically still active and they live right over in Lakeland. And like, they, yeah, that was like kind of uh, my childhood, but I don't want to say that and have like Aaron Marsh think that like, you know, more than ch- children listen to us. <laughs> active and doing things. Um, so I think that would be really funny and full circle if we got to play with Copeland um, or something like that. That, oh. would, that would make 14-year-old me really happy and also uh, now me really happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know what will happen. I feel like there's so many great opportunities happening for bands of all backgrounds to be able to play with people that they really respect. Like I'm literally thinking about the weekend that we're recording this, like expert timing and Dikembe are playing with hot water music. That's amazing yeah. to me. So it's yeah. like, I see those kind of opportunities happen. So like when I interview bands, I ask them this question because I'm like, for all you freaking know, you're going to be playing with these bands at some point, you know? So it's exciting. Yeah. I used to really love uh, the band As Tall As Lions, but they broke up. So forget them. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, I'm beyond them now. No, I'm just, <sighs> kidding. I'm just really salty over it because I thought that they broke up like way too soon. <laughs> Yeah. That hurts sometimes. It really does. I try to occasionally send, like, I call them my witchy powers to resurrect bands from the dead, where it's like, it, there's some that it'll probably never work on, but it's like, uh, what was it? I listened to Sprainerd repeatedly for like a solid like month or two, and then they reunited again for like a couple of shows. And I was like, okay, so my powers worked. Let's do this again. So I try to cycle through different bands trying to bring them back from time to time, and it works occasionally. So I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe that's like, that's that's my true witchy power right there. Is oh, universe, universe, man. <laughs> it's 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 trippy. It really is. Um, <laughs> so what are some things that maybe you'd like to accomplish with kinder than wolves over maybe like the next year or so? I know you're working on writing and recording right now. Um, yeah. So if we could <laughs> kind of like, I don't know, push the gas on that a little bit, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I really would like to get all of that done and just kind of figure out where I'm at on, whether we're going to release it as an album or an EP because we can put out an EP much faster, but I kind of just, I want to do one album at least. 
um, so there's that. And I, I want to get more involved in, um, you know, like animal welfare or other social causes and stuff like that. Um, some of our new songs are like, they're kind of political or like, but you wouldn't know it unless you're like reading the lyrics because they're not like out there. And yeah, I don't know. I just, that's, that's kind of what I want to do. Just keep connecting everyone and um, reach outside the band a little and uplift people. And, and yeah, cause I don't know. We're like this funny little, our friends call us posers jokingly. <laughs> I think it's totally deserved because like we're this, we're not very punk. Like if you listen to our music, we're this little indie rock band and stuff like that. And, um, but like, I love all the punks. They're, they're super nice to us. So I don't know where I was going with that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And like, everybody needs to have like the indie rock band that's has a presence and that's really good. And that has an effort being made into like beyond just the music itself. So I'm super excited to continue to follow you and see how that grows. What about things that you kind of want to do as an audio engineer, since we talked so much about that? Yeah, good question. <laughs> I've had I've had to take like a hard look at myself and have a hard talk with myself um, recently because I was like, man, if I'm if I'm going to like do like more mixing and stuff like I want to like, I think I'm good at marketing. But like I was looking at myself and I was like, man, I suck. Like <laughs> I don't I don't market myself. <laughs> so I, I think I'm going to have to like um, like because you know, there's always, when you're in this industry, there's always like a pull to look at more like corporate jobs or just get a job at a startup and that takes time away, but there's also like, you kind of want to do it yourself. And so it's kind of a, a struggle between, you know, knowing you could go make more money and work somewhere, somewhere like that, or like, uh, you know, doing it yourself. And then I'm like, have I really actually promoted myself and told people that I mix music? Cause I have like, almost no online presence all of my work is like from word of mouth and stuff like that so I think I just need to get better with like marketing myself and like just bringing in more more work because that's that's what I actually want to do uh, like as a day job is just like mix and stuff like that and I do do that but I want to do it more so so yeah do you have that problem where like you don't market yourself <laughs> yeah for sure I feel like sometimes it's like it's a confidence thing sometimes then sometimes it's that you get so busy with like your day job or whatever other projects that you have that you're kind of like oh wait I do this thing and I'm good at it I should like share that with more people somehow and everything and like how much is too much how much is too little all that so I mean I don't know I, I just, just listening to you today I'm gonna market the living hell out of you <laughs> I'm just gonna be like everybody go to Paige please console her for all of your like mixing needs your audio needs she's clearly amazing so this is this, is, this can be an advertisement if you want <laughs> no it doesn't have to be I, I would rather I like to provide value to people like by yeah. and then hope it just comes back around um so so yeah that's kind of how it's always been working but yeah if you want to do something that would be really nice but you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> just support even <laughs> that's yeah. awesome well where can you <laughs> oh I love that thank you I appreciate that that's it's just one of those positive things where I don't know I just love the idea of being able to give and go back and forth and just continue to support people that's all that really matters to me at the end of the day yeah so, I love that 
Yeah. Well, where can everybody keep up with you for your projects and Kinder Than Wolves on the internet? Um, Kinder Than Wolves is uh, Kinder Than Wolves on Instagram. <laughs> and it's Kinder Than Wolves with no A and than on Twitter. And we're on Facebook and stuff. Um, we're, we're very SEO friendly. <laughs> so <laughs> Kinder Than Wolves is all that comes up. Um, and so those are the best places. If you want to be like real extra, um, just like it's really lame, but signing up for email lists work because you, you don't, we don't really know where these digital platforms are going to be in a year. So yeah, we have that little thing, which is pretty easy to find. And then um, to keep up with me, you can uh, just follow me on Instagram or email me, um, which you, you can find those on my Facebook or Instagram or something. I'm really easy to get in touch with. So yeah, all the, just hit me up like you would hit up a friend or something. And that's, that's how to hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave some links too in the show notes so everybody can follow you and see all the awesome work that you're doing. Cause I'm incredibly impressed, really excited to see everything that's happening for you and everything. So yeah. Thank you. Uh, also, I want to, um, I almost forgot that Kinder Than Wolves has like a YouTube channel where we post like vlogs of like how, how to band basically, but like just from our experience and our perspective, it's just like following us on like tour or like talk. And then we try to provide some value in each thing, whether it's talking about like renting a van or some, some stuff like that. So um, but yeah, that's kind of like a new effort that we're doing. So if you want to like subscribe on YouTube, <laughs> don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, <laughs> that would be cool. Um, yeah, that's it. That's awesome. Well, I know there's a ton of people out there who need that kind of advice and would love to watch that kind of stuff. So that's definitely a need. Well, thank you so much, Paige. This has been awesome. Yo, thank you.
You just heard Kinder Than Wolves. Thank you so much to Paige for taking the time to join this week to talk all about all of her experiences in music, from making it in audio engineering to writing and playing to even booking shows at the Falcon in Orlando. If you're in the area, be sure to check out Kinder Than Wolves live shows. Or if you're not, make sure to get your ass down to Florida for the best this fall, where Kinder Than Wolves will be playing. Speaking of the fest, it's time to turn it over to my chat with Anna and Lindsay now. Please straighten up, I've got somewhere to be. I might have left already if you weren't part of me. Please get some rest, I'll work us through the night. My autopilot thoughts with the manual drive. Barely any time to read how this goes. The good die young, but the lucky die slow. everybody about the best time of year the best time of year um, I'm joined by uh, two really great friends here Anna Theodora one of my longtime friends from best and uh, Lindsay Kerskew from level to the room how's everybody doing I'm good how are you doing good 
Well, I know I'm feeling amazing because we got our next wave of Fest announcements for Fest 17. I think the internet has started to explode over that. Yeah, it was super exciting. Dropped in like the middle of the night last night, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of like waiting for one of like your major holidays to finally arrive, like counting down to midnight. <laughs> yeah, and I love that they even announced early for the messengers too. That just yeah. made me even more excited about it. Yeah, I heard that they accidentally goofed on stage and, like, broke their little embargo and just announced it during the show in Orlando. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But <laughs> I'm not surprised with it being so close to, like, lineup day that they were just yeah. like, oh, hey, we're playing. <laughs> Plus, being in Florida and so on, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we're coming back in, like, October. No big deal. <laughs> A lot of bands actually tend to do that while they're touring through Florida. I don't know if you've run into that, Lindsay, but... I haven't yet, actually. It's pretty surprising. Yeah, I remember like one time, like Prince Daddy and the Hyena were like, oh yeah, we'll be back in October, no worries. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know what that means. <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. I think that's one of the perks to like some of the Florida shows is they'll definitely let us know and it's fun for sure. So I know uh, Lindsay's been on to talk about Fest before, of course, but Anna has not. So I kind of want to start with like some fun questions about Fest itself for each of you and um, kind of go over like what was your first fest and maybe what was like your favorite fest memory from the past couple of years that you've been able to go. Sure, yeah. Um, my first fest was Fest 12. I did not know anyone I know now. Um, and actually one of my most notable fest memories and the one that I always point to is actually at that fest. Uh, it was at the fest the second night because um, it was a four-day fest. Mm-hmm. But Fire played in like an empty lot next to CMC. And like, there was tons of people there. It was like outdoors, like in the mud. And then it started raining and they played, you know, rain down some change on me just to close out the set while everyone was just like getting drenched and dancing. And it was like, wow, like this is, this is why I came to Florida. Best. <laughs> That's like such like a wonderful, just bit of Florida right there. That's, yeah. I couldn't, that, that's pretty much Florida in a nutshell, and to have it with that band is just perfect. Yeah, it was like a, like, I had been to, like, the, you know, venue shows during the day, but just complete, like, it was like a dance party outside, like, 1 a.m. It was great. <laughs> that's one of the things that you can get out of Fest is just, like, those late nights. Um, they're fun when they're outdoors, too, and you just, like, I don't know. There's just something magical about every hour of Fest, I feel like. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah, um, I know for me, I remember Festival, that was my first fest as well, and um, one of the sets that really stuck out to me was Hop Along, yeah. whenever they played, a, I guess it's like, it's. I always forget the names because they change it so often, but like Cowboys, the one like crazy, gross indoor venue, but I don't know, I got up to where I could see them pretty well on the stairs, and it was just perfect, and I think that may still be my one of my favorite times I've ever seen Hop Along too. There's a really great video um, on YouTube of, it's like the first one that comes up when you search Hop Along. It's Tibetan pop stars from that set. And you just hear like the whole, like full room screaming along. It's It must've like right after that album came out too, like not too, too long after. Yeah, no kidding. I think I was probably one of them. <laughs> and I remember just being like starstruck by everybody in the room, just being in love with this band. And all I could think of is like, this whole weekend has been like this. And that was so yeah. special. After that, I was like, okay, I gotta come back. <laughs> But, uh, Lindsay, what about you? What, what was, like, maybe one of your favorite memories from doing Fest over the years? 
Um, I think last time I had talked to you, I probably mentioned Lumeria and just how I made um, a bunch of friends throughout that set. But probably from when I went to Fest last year, Boxcar, mm-hmm. I think it was on Saturday was when it was like all the local bands, the, like Insignificant Other, and then even like Wolverine, all the Florida bands just had like every single person that I knew was just there singing along as loud as they can. It was so fun. Yeah, that was such a special time. I remember I got there in time to watch Gutless play, and I actually oh, cried yeah. during that set. <laughs> yeah, and they premiered, like, a new song and everything, too. Yeah, that was just so special. I loved the boxcar for that reason, because it was such, like, a little wonderful showcase space for, like, Florida bands. I hope that more people make it out to those kind of sets this year, because it just felt yeah. special, and it felt like our little home for the weekend, for sure. So... We've kind of seen the first wave of announcements, which were pretty exciting, I thought. Um, But now we've got wave two, the um, complete list of bands. Of course, we know sometimes bands will drop and some will get added here and there. But how do you feel about the second wave of Fest 17 announcements? Um, I, this year, I wasn't really bold by anything. It wasn't really, um, it was pretty par for the course, which isn't necessarily bad. It's just like kind of like the, the old reliables. Uh, you know, I love Lauren's arms so, so, so much. So I'm really excited to be able to see them. Um, I kind of wish there was a little more diversity in the headliners. You don't often see a lot of non-men or queer or, you know, people of color in the headliners while you do kind of see them in the, in the smaller bands or the more local bands. But that all being said, Mets is going to be crazy. Lawrence Arms and of course River and Iron Sheik are all going to be incredible and the Menzingers is always a party too. Yeah I think that's really well said there's just like so many bands I get excited about I mean I, I totally get what you're saying about there not being too much diversity especially I'm like I'm looking at the lineup right now and it's like okay Reviver is probably the first diverse act on the third line. Yeah. So it's kind of like okay this is fine but I mean they do a really great job of like cultivating more and more bands that are starting to become more diverse. I think about like Reviver and Lemuria is always one of the biggest names that they pitch whenever they're able to book them at Fest. And it's, it's definitely gotten a lot better over the years as far as diversity goes. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think about Fest 12 and stuff and how far it's come along, but yeah, I, I, I totally share your excitement about Mets. They are such a fun and interesting live show. I feel like last time I saw them, I was just like, my jaw was dropped the entire time. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is that really, like, high energy. And um, past the headliners, like, I'm shocked, but also really excited to see Doc Hopper. Um, they were a little bit before my time, but kind of where I'm from. So be able to get to see that is going to be crazy. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, I, I kind of have a little bit of that vibe toward like Tsunami Bomb as well. Um, I came to them like later, of course, but I mean, that's such like a critical band. I feel like for a lot of people when it comes to getting interested in not just punk in general, but I don't know, just that they, ha- they have so many great influences. I feel like that have spewed onto so many other people. So mm-hmm. It's, it's exciting. Um, yeah, what about you, Lindsay? What did you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with you both on diversity and stuff. And I think really this year, for me, a lot of the bands are the smaller ones. Um, say, like, <clears throat> Weekend Friends or Nervous Skater, who I'm really, really excited about. Yeah, there, there's so <laughs> many bands on counterintuitive records, which currently is, like, along with Top Shelf, one of my favorite labels to see so many of their current bands and like alumni on there so so special too 
Yeah, I think counterintuitive might be like the label right now as far yeah, as like I feel like they are. They're really cultivating more and more variety of acts. I mean, they have bands that are kind of your typical like heavier punk, garagey punk, but they also have been dipping into more of like the indie style and you can kind of get a little bit of everything from their selection. And they're so supportive of people who even aren't signed on them, which I think is really awesome. Yeah, and it's clear that they work really, really hard. And I think it's just Jake right now, just one person even running the entire label. That just makes it all the more impressive to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree with you in the sense of the being more so smaller bands that I get excited about because, I mean, I think I spent more time cheering about the fact that I have friends that are getting booked this year that maybe haven't had the chance to before, like Nervous Dater was one that you mentioned. But then, like, having friends that are coming back, like Cold Rex and, like, pictures of Vernon and... I just, I get more excited about the smaller bands now. And I think that says a lot about, I think, the community side of Fest, the longer you've been going too, because mm -hmm. you become more invested in seeing like either your friends or smaller bands grow. It makes it yeah, fun. Yeah. Even like, I just saw like a giant list of all the Gainesville bands that I see all the time. And for everyone else that kind of comes to Fest to maybe discover them would just help them so much. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like um, it's gotten to the point where my first test, I was trying to see, you know, all the headliners. Um, and now it's like, well, if I have, you know, a free half hour, I might like sit down at Bo Diddley and, and see who was playing there. But like, I want to, you know, make it out to see, you know, smaller, especially like Sincere Engineer, um, they're playing full band. And yeah. their last tour it was just Deanna playing acoustic. So be able to see that for people who aren't from necessarily the Chicago area to be able to see them full band as opposed to how they were on their last tour is going to be really cool. Yeah, it's feel, it feels like you always get that special ability to see bands in like different settings before. Like, um, I remember I got to see like a Sprainerd solo set a couple of years ago and that was super special. And most people are familiar with seeing that more as like a full band act. And it's so neat whenever you get to get, sometimes even um, full bands or solo acts will kind of switch things around. Like, I think of um, Warriors, you get the full band usually during fest, but then Lauren Denezia will go and do a solo set at like Civic Media Center. And it's like, oh, cool. I get an even more intimate experience of that. One time they, um, they when they played at Whiskey House, I think two years ago, um, they played a Measure song. And that is my favorite band that I've never seen. And <laughs> just crying at the Whiskey House. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. I... <sighs> That was such a great night, too. And I think that as far as, like, any dream reunions go, that would be one that would be really cool to be able to see at a fest one year is the measure. Every year. I'm like, this is going to be the year. Y'all <laughs> just wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> one day they might deliver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be so wonderful. Ugh, I, I, yeah, I got into Warriors before I got into the measure, but I just, ever since that I dug into that back part of Lauren Donetsio's catalog, I've just been like, wow, this would be amazing if they could bring this to Fest, or I could find a way to teleport if there was ever a reunion. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're so, so good, and um, I got in some, I think, maybe like six months after their last Brooklyn show. Ah! <laughs> their final show, and so it's just one day. I, you know, I got to see Jawbreaker, which I never thought I was going to see, so maybe the measure is next. <laughs> right? I feel like that's been happening to me so much. Um, like, uh, what is it? I never got to see, like, the Get Up Kids. And I know some people are stoked. Some people are like, oh, yeah, this is fine. But, like, 
as somebody who kind of got into the Get Up Kids after they broke up, like literally right after they broke up, I was like, oh, this is a great band. Oh shit, I missed my window. <laughs> it's going to be really nice to be able to like actually see them live. And I feel like that's happened to me with a lot of bands like American football that happened with like Wrecking Ball. I was like, oh, perfect. I finally got to see them. So it's just wonderful that we get to see yeah. these little reunions pop up. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I think that this is kind of a funny question and like, you know, I don't want to have anybody like creepily following anybody around, but, um, <laughs> where do you think you'd be most likely to be found during fest? Like what's your, like, if what, where almost like embodies you during fest? Like, cause I know for me at the end of the night, I'm always at like the vegetarian hot dog cart. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm drunk and I'm usually like, they like shoveling like four hot dogs down my throat because I'm disgusting and drunk and really want good food <laughs> and cheap. <laughs> my dog man's always there for you. Honest angel just for that reason at the end of the night. <laughs> but I would say that and like for me, that spot and then I'm, I feel like I'm always at wherever the more indie rock bands are playing and that's usually like Rockies or last year it was the Wooly. But... It's just good stuff. Do you have like a favorite spot or where you'd kind of be like, yeah, this is where you can always see me goofing off during fest? Um, for me, I'm going to say um, like high dive and especially the high dive backyard, because I feel like there were a couple years where they were booking like these blocks of the kind of more garage punk acts like Mean Jeans and like Tenement. And so, and so I would post up there. Plus they have Fest Punch, which is fun. Um, <laughs> or the Atlantic Sunday hardcore block. Um, those are kind of where I just kind of park myself. But apart from that, it's typically running with, you know, half of a Flacco's burrito down so I can make it between sets and still get to eat. Yeah. It's convenient that they make those burritos so fast where you can just do that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like last year I spent a lot of my time probably at the Wooly or even um, for the smaller, like, local bands, probably the Hardback. Oh, those are really great spots to actually mention. Hardback was – that's no longer a venue, right? No, it is. Yeah. Oh, for some reason I forgot – I always get confused. We – I don't know about you, but with the internet, there's always the rumors about, like, you know, venues or food spots being, being closed down. Like, the most annoying one is everybody's just like, oh, Flacco's is closed. And it's like, no, it's not. It's Sunday or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> – on Mondays, yeah. <laughs> it's, it always makes me laugh because we're like, oh no, it shut down. But like, I get yeah. that and like venues mixed up all the time. And I'm like, wait, is that place still open? Of course. That tells me I need to go to Gainesville more often. <laughs> Even this year, I'll probably just be at Flacco's a lot because I recently moved downtown. It's probably like two blocks from me. So just going downtown to get food is going to be so easy. <sighs> I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Now, I, I still always get Rockies and Lucy's confused somehow. Yeah. Because, like, they're kind of, like, uh, near one another. <laughs> they're almost on the same block. It's, like, ridiculously close. Yeah, I think they're around the corner from each other. Yeah, that's how I, I ended up missing um, No Fun. I got oh, it wow. last, the last song because I had run to the wrong venue. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I've definitely been that person before. Because um, I'll either mix up the venue names or, like, I'll end up not quite timing it right. So I've had a couple of years where I've had friends play sets at the same time. And I'm like, I kind of want to try to watch both. So I've definitely had that time where it's like, I've watched like half of a set at Lucy's 
and then um, drunkenly sprinted over to Rocky's and tried to catch, like, the last 10 minutes of another set, just because I'm like, oh, I just want to be there for my friends, but, it's it's fun. I, I'm going to try to be a little bit more casual this year, especially knowing that um, my list is not quite as intense this year for my messies. But um, speaking of that, do you have like maybe a top five bands that you know you want to see at Fest this year? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like my list is a little um, less populated, but what it lacks in quantity, it makes up for in quality. So I'm like more excited about less bands, but I'm like really excited. Uh, so it's definitely Nightwitch, always Nightwitch. Yes. They're so good. Um, so, so good. Um, Radioactivity, Witchbender, who I just got into recently. They're super, super, super fun. Um, Nervous Dater, uh, and all the other Brooklyn bands like Answering Machine, Binary Heart, and Cold Rex. Um, and definitely cannot miss uh, Doc Hopper. I'm very excited about that. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. I will definitely be with you for all those Brooklyn bands because unfortunately not they don't really get to make it down here unless it's fest most of the time. So I have to get in all of like my Brooklyn love while everybody's down here. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that um, people from not just the two or three venues that they always play here will get to see them because they deserve it. Absolutely. Everybody's just so talented and I've been very fortunate over the years to slowly become friends with everybody and stuff. So just, it, it definitely ends up feeling like a big family reunion because of it. Definitely. Yeah. What about you, Lindsay? Any like um, list of bands? Yeah, that's really hard. There's so many bands that I want to see and there's always some that I forget. Um, but definitely to see Lemuria again would be really fun. I think I saw them Best 16, and then when they did the um, Get Better tour. Um, Nervous Theater, I really want to see. Um, probably Gougeway, too, because I know they're probably going to move up into a bigger venue um, this year. Um, there's just so many that I can't think of. I know Mom Jeans are going to have their new record out by then. Um, Prince Daddy will probably have a new record out by then. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, I just have to look at the list again, because I know... There's just so many that I want to see. Yeah. Even Adult Mom, too. Yeah, I haven't seen Adult Mom yet, and I'm super excited to watch that set. Yeah, there's just so many bands. <laughs> I think for me, I am very much a creature of habit. I mean, I love seeing bands like Slingshot Dakota and War on Women again and again. Um, they're just all so tight and so much fun. Um Definitely Adult Mom, Retirement Party, and Kississippi. I like to be all over the place. (laughs) Kississippi uh, is so, so, so good. Yeah, I remember I got to see, she didn't get to play Fest last year, but she jumped on stage to, like, sing duet for um, Thrashville. I think it's part two of three (laughs) for Daddy and the Hyena, and that was just so much fun. (laughs) And the only I've ever seen Kansas was at a house show here in Gainesville to see them play in a venue would be really special. Yeah, I'm hoping to try to catch while um, Kansas on tour with Have Mercy here in the next like week or so. Yeah. Fingers crossed I can make it to that, but if not, I'm okay with being able to see at Fest. I'm sure it's going to be a phenomenal show. I, I, I imagine it'll be full band, but... Yeah. Definitely. Well, that'll be fun for sure. Um, so we talked a little bit about the bands that we're excited about, but maybe what's something that like you're really excited to experience this year at Fest? Um, 
every year I just love getting together with my friends. I've made a lot of friends through um, pap smears. Um, so being able to see everyone from all over the country and kind of just all in our matching t-shirts, uh, it's just a really moving experience. Um, it just, you know, I try to tell people at my job or wherever, it's like, oh, I have a friend in, in Denver and I have a friend down in, in you know, Georgia. And they're like, how do you know these people? I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> the internet. <laughs> <laughs> we do everything that they told us not to do as children. We talk to strangers on the internet, but we all end up being best friends. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I look forward every year to reuniting with the Smears, too. It just it feels like family big time, and it's so special. And, and even just friends that, in general that I've made over the years at Fest. Like, I think about how – I think it was – Fest 13 that you and I got to meet in person, Anna, and I thought that was really cool. And ever since, it's always been like, and I always look forward to seeing you and like all of our other friends and stuff that we have. And it's just, that part's really great. Just, I love that moment where you're, you're kind of like hanging out at a set, maybe like sipping your drink for a second. And then you like have somebody either tap you on the shoulder or like somebody just shouts your name from across the room. And it's like one of your friends you haven't seen in like a year. Yeah. And like that reunion moment is just so special to me. Or even just like people you've never met off of the internet before. I've had a lot of people come up to me and go like, hey, excuse me, like call me by like the name of my Instagram handle or something. I'm like, this is weird, but I guess we're best friends now. <laughs> they know you like that intimately through the internet. It's, yeah. it's wild. I would love to have somebody yell at me, hey, soy chorizo taco. <laughs> That would make me laugh, because that's my Instagram handle. Um, I would just be like, what? <laughs> it would be funny, though. <laughs> um, what about you, Lindsay? What are you kind of looking forward to being able to do? For me, it's the same, and hopefully all three of us can meet up at some point, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's so cool. Even I was in uh, Shaky Knees, um, I think it was the beginning of May this year, and my friend Devin from Atlanta, who I met at Fest two years ago, was just there seeing the messengers and like yelled out my name and like, we got to talk for a little bit so that was just really really awesome you can eat people anywhere definitely yeah. I was down in DC to see Gaslight Anthem and I was waiting on this this long line and people who I met at Fest just kept walking by me and we were just like high five each other and it's like I came to this show alone I'm not in my seat but I know a bunch of people from you know that I met at a different concert that's really fun I love that I love whenever I get to do that, whether it's at local shows or even when I'm traveling too. like, I feel like I now make some of my vacation plans around my best friends. So like, I, I know that I have like a decent chunk of friends in like Brooklyn. Then I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to be able to hang out with them. And then like, I'm planning a trip next year for Chicago. And I'm like, oh, cool. I have best friends in Chicago too, that I can visit. So it's nice to know that not only will I get to vacation, but like I will get to see friends along the way too. And that's just like the beautiful thing about this little community. Yeah, it's friends who will like give you a couch or give you some really good like, you know, food recommendations, like stuff that you wouldn't be able to find just by like Googling a city that you're gonna go visit. Um, and it's like, yeah, I get to go to this DIY venue to say you've never been to before because pals. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna be able to find that on like TripAdvisor. <laughs> Yeah, I've already been asking Amanda a lot about Tampa, too, because I've only ever been, I think, to maybe two or three shows there before. Yeah, we can definitely trade show spots and bands and all of that. It's, it makes it so much fun. Um, I know that, actually, if I think about it, 
from seeing posts from like Anna on Facebook even, uh, they'll share really cool bands that I never would have thought to check out. And next thing I know, I'm like jamming to my new favorite band. And mm -hmm. that's like something I really enjoy being able to do like because of Fest. Because I like to think that like at least like 80% of the people I end up meeting through Fest have like similar if not exact same taste in music as me. So like mm -hmm. there's that ability to like share in that mm -hmm. sense as well. Yeah, definitely. I feel like even though Fest is like kind of like a punk or a pop punk festival, there are so many little corners. Like you can only go see emo bands. You can only go see, you know, heavier bands. Like it's, you can completely tailor your experience within the experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause, and I, I've tried to make a point to where I'd start to dip into more than the one, like one or two genres. Cause I know for like for my first two years, I was very like heavily into like more of the emo bands and stuff and I've kind of branched out into more of like the hardcore and like heavy punk and even the garagey stuff and I try to keep my experience as like broad as possible now because I've had so many friends that have been like oh you know what you like this band you should go check out this band with me and like I'll go follow a friend to another set because hey I've got like two hours to kill until my next band I might as well. Yeah, I remember my first fest, I had gotten the times mixed up and I thought I was showing up for Lemuria. Um, and then Tim Barry was playing and he's not Lemuria. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And now this year I have grown and I have learned and I'm very excited to see Tim Barry. At <laughs> I was just, like from 20, 2013 to like three weeks ago, I was like, this is not for me. And then like I saw him open for Gaslight and I was like, oh, cool, now I can't wait to go see him again. I was just really stubborn and mad that I wasn't seeing LaMaria. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And that's, like, the fun thing about sometimes, like, wandering to a venue early. Sometimes you'll get to hear a band that sounds, like, completely different. Yeah. And either you'll think of it later to listen to or you'll really get into the band right then and there. And I don't know. It's, like, I know for me, I've had so many of those, like, love at first sight moments when it comes to music at first. Just... It's it's strange, and I don't think I've ever actually experienced that for a human, only music. <laughs> so, and I feel like Fest is just the perfect spot for all that. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me, I think it was two years ago now at Fest. I was seeing um, Anna Kapile when she was in Trump's, like, doing a solo set at the CMC. And I was just there uh, with one of my friends, because I had only recently gotten into them. But right before her set, um, Georgia Mack from Camp Cope was doing a solo set never heard of them before and then her voice is just so incredible and now they're just one of my favorite bands of all time yes oh my god that's that was like the whole room just was like so yeah. full of emotion yeah so beautiful so wonderful that's that's the kind of stuff i feel like that just like sticks with us i don't know about you both but when i think about those awesome sets um i just I, that's what gets me through the rest of the year, honestly, because I get a little bit blue after Fest ends, and then um, I wait for the next round of announcements and talk about it with my friends and think about all the good times, and then next thing I know, it's October again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a big party, and um, last year I wasn't going to go, and I decided very last minute, and like the second I got it like out, out of, you know, the cab into town I just saw a bunch of people that I knew and they waved me over to sit down at their table at mother's and we'd all just like yeah I, this is worth it already <laughs> well thank goodness for fest for all of that and um yeah I, I can't wait to do it all again this year and do it all again with both of you
Yeah, awesome. it'll be really, really fun. Well, um, this is the part where I always encourage anybody to plug their projects or social media. Where can everybody keep up with you both on the internet? <laughs> um, I am on Instagram as gnarly ray, R-A-E dot Jepson, like Carly Ray Jepson. Um, and you can find me putting some words onto the internet for hooligan, um, hooliganmag.com. Uh, you can find me doing some really cool music writing there and hopefully doing some fuss writing there. Awesome. Excited to see all of it. Yeah, for me, it's um, Instagram and Twitter are the same thing. Lindsay, L-A-N-D-S-Y underscore C-A-R-R. And then I'm also doing Level to the Room, which I've mentioned before. And it's just leveltotheroom.com, but level without the E. And right now I'm um, an editor and contributor for The Alternative. Awesome. Well, everybody's going to have to follow you both for sure, because I know that Anna has posted really cool stuff during Fest. Um, Level to the Room has really awesome content, and Lindsay is just awesome at sharing stuff as well. So everybody, make sure you check them out. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me.
just heard the best reactions from Anna, Lindsay, and myself. Thank you so much to Anna and Lindsay for their time and sharing so many of their favorite parts of our favorite time of the year. Make sure to check out the lineup for yourself at thefestfl.com and follow The Fest on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all their social platforms. You won't want to miss the punk rock party of the year. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Play Music, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angergirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work on publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work and let's chat. Until next time, stay angry and get ready for the best. The best. Thank you.